0: Hi, my name is Mason Crash. You are listening to episode 20 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is your last time here, goodbye. And if this is your third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, welcome back. I appreciate it. Today we have, of course, an especially special guest, just like every other episode. We got Josh Sheridan here. And firstly, No relation to Greg Sheridan. No relation to episode whatever with Greg Sheridan, <laughs> although they do know each other because everyone where I live knows each other. Um... And uh but one special thing about today's episode is that Josh here and I were in the same fantasy baseball league and um we played each other I believe week 7 of of this this uh yeah I can't believe this up fantasy yet. league and I I destroyed him and we had a bet going that <laughs> you you know, if I me, dude. I destroyed you. We had a bet going that um that uh, whoever uh, whoever if I won that he'd have to wear a Dodger jersey on my podcast. So here he is dressed. And if he
1: lost, you'd have to wear a Yankee one, because I'm a Yankee fan. Yes,
0: and I right. won by a handsome amount, six to three. Did uh, you win six to three? I beat you six to three. It was ah, week I thought six, it was like five to four or something. Nope, like I beat you that. six to three. Um, and uh, I believe I can thank Jesse Winker for this win. Winker? No, it wasn't Winker that carried me. It was Nolan Arenado, who now belongs on your team. That's true. Three home runs, five RBIs, batted four hundred. Oh Aaron Judge, he had five home runs, six RBI's, and batted 571, and he's been terrible ever since. So,
1: oh Aaron, oh Aaron,
0: yeah, Aaron's one of those guys where, you know, he would be so much better if he was just healthy and consistent. He's a good dude. He's played in like uh, all but three or four games this year. Yeah,
1: he's been he's been healthy.
0: Yeah, he's been but playing better, and I've reaped benefits. I drafted him super late. I drafted him like the fifteenth round. Oh, because was he still hurt coming into the year? Right, it wasn't uh, a little he thing. He just had like some like mild oblique stuff. Which yeah, is yeah, so, yeah, yeah. People just, and people weren't sure how long he was going to be out. Yeah, but I drafted him super late, and uh, you know, benefiting from that now. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the? So, for for those of you that don't know what's going on in baseball right now, uh, baseball has a history of its players. Um, finding ways to take the upper hand in over the competition. So, you know, the most classic one is the steroid era. Um, We had Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and all those guys, you know, all super jacked. and Canseco. And, and, yeah, Jose Canseco all on roids, um, bashing home runs like crazy, chasing the home run title, and Barry Bonds actually got it and stole it away from the very deserving Hank Aaron. Um, Hank Aaron remind, remains the greatest of all time in my book. Um, but and then we fast forward and then there's been a handful of other things that have happened, but then you have the Astros um, stealing signs in the dugout using a camera in the outfield and then trash banging pros. the trash can so that the batter, you know, can know it's you know, the pitch that's coming. Um, and then most recently, and this is not that much of a surprise. Most recently, It has come um, out that pitchers, and some of the more elite pitchers in the game, are using a substance uh, when they throw the pitch to get a higher spin rate on the ball, and that makes the ball move more. Um, Now, this has been done for a long time, but there has been a new substance that has been used called spider tack, and it's turning good pitchers into great pitchers. I don't necessarily think it's turning anyone who is not good into a superstar, there's been a couple of guys that have kind of emerged. I'm like, where yeah. the heck did you come from? Right. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff come to mind. They okay. were like, um, okay. Dude, Trevor- you're
1: dissing on, uh, on the Brewers staff. They're pitching Yeah, staff.
0: I'll, I'll even go to the Dodgers staff. You got Trevor Bauer, who had a 470-something ERA um, one season. And the next season, he comes out and says that he's going to use whatever Garrett Cole's been using. And he comes out, wins a Cy Young, breaks some records, and, and has this crazy year. Dude, there's a couple of guys, dude.
1: Wade Miley threw a no-hitter. Like yeah. a month or two ago? Yeah, like, that's where the heck's true. Wade Miley John Means from? threw a no hitter.
0: Yeah. Um what is it? Scooball or on the yeah, for,
1: for, yeah, Tariq, uh Tariq
0: Scubal. Yeah, he threw a no hitter. So anyway, so baseball's always been a cheater's game. <laughs> and people are always trying to find the upper hand. It's always kinda in- had that grit. It's incredible. It's, yeah. I'm actually like really pro some of the like the sportsmanship, you know, like stealing signs from second base is totally okay in my book. Yeah. Anyways. What are your thoughts on? Uh, so the most obviously the most recent thing. So I keep asking you a question and interrupting before you have a chance <laughs> to answer. But the most recent thing was um, that MLB came out and said no more. And if we catch you with it, you get an immediate ten game ten game suspension. We will not accept any appeals. And the umpires are going to enforce it and check pitchers every game. Since then, that was Monday. It has been craziness on the baseball field. Um, we had pitchers yesterday who uh, umpires going to check them and they were so insulted they took their pants off <laughs> in the middle of the game i kid you not if you're oh, a baseball has been turned upside oh, down way. and inside out because this new random rule but i think that for the most part pitchers have been doing this for a long time and they've learned to do it this way but they've been using like sunscreen and rosin to create some sort of substance to get more grip which spider tack is much more intense than that but anyways I'm gonna actually let you answer the question this time. Give me, give me your thoughts on on everything going on in baseball.
1: All right. Well, if you let me ramble for a little bit, and then you can give me your thoughts, right? Yeah. Because it's interesting. Like I, I, I think baseball has always had this. For one, it's super interesting how much cheating has always existed in baseball for the last hundred years, you Mm -hmm. know, ever since. I mean, I I could go as far back as like the Black Sox scandal in the 1920. But so I don't know if there was anything much before that. But I mean, corked bats, steroids, Mm spitballs, pine hard, George Brett. I mean, there's been guys cheating in baseball forever. And I don't know if it's. Other sports haven't been around as long, or because like basketball, you share a basketball. Football, you share a ball. Mm-hmm. Baseball, everyone has their own equipment and stuff. So I yeah. don't know if that's how people get away with it more or try new things. Yeah. But um, it seems like baseball, one, they've had a cheating problem for for as long as as a sport's been around. Yeah. But but also, it seems like they're they're always in constant tension with their with trying to raise their fan base, and, and so like what I think about that. Uh, you go back to the nineties with the steroid, the steroid era. Um, well they had the strike in 94, right? The, mm-hmm. the strike of 94 and you lose a lot of people, uh, casual baseball fans yeah. because the sport cancels and they're fighting over money and whatever. Well, then you have the home run chase of 98 with the McGuire and Sosa and it peaks every national interest and it's all over the news, yeah. you know, chasing, chasing the home run record, uh, Roger Maris's home run, home run record. And so it captivates baseball fans. And I feel like as those years progressed and Bonds hit in 73, baseball had to have known something was going on. But baseball is popular amongst their fan base, so I think they just turned their blind eye for a little bit yeah. until the problem became so prevalent. They're like, all right, now we got to do something. Yeah. And uh, I almost think that something's happening. It's the same kind of thing is happening now yeah. where – in you know kind of a, a different way from the steroids, you know the pitchers using all these things to combat the launch angle uh, and, and increase their velocity because that's what's getting paid. It's it's like a cycle. It's like a cyclical yeah. dude. It's a, it's this vicious cycle where you know so and so who has great stuff or throws a hundred gets paid a lot. So what do they do to be able to do that so that they get paid? Well, I'll do that too, because no one's enforcing the rules. But you have you have baseball where they just let their problems get too far out of control. Yeah. And then they feel like they gotta step in and do something and they just don't always do it in the right way. Um, you know, I, I would wish they would have done it before the season or after mm-hmm. the season and not not in the middle of the season. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like shurs are getting getting uh, checked yeah. three times in five it's, innings it's yesterday. Goofy. Like, well, I just didn't fully understand like you know, I love Joe Girardi, but Joe, like, he just he just got checked last inning, and yeah. he's and he's licking his fingers. Like, he's yeah. not going to take like, you know, spider tack or pine tar, and yeah. you know, lick his fingers or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I, I wish they would have done that, and then I wish you know come up with some sort of substance that you're okay with that everybody can use, yeah. you know, uh, and listen to your pictures. If your pictures are saying that, you know, a rosin bag isn't enough, especially when it's humid out or it's really cold, then make some, some combination of sunscreen and rosin and let all the pictures use it. Yeah. Um, Instead of instead of letting them just go free for all, but I I just feel like and I, and I feel bad because you know for me and you it's probably hilarious watching Sergio Romo drop his pants yeah it you know was it's great. funny mm. but we love baseball so we're not ever really gonna stop watching it but yeah. the casual baseball fan right you know they're they're out there and watching a game and the game stopped again because so and so is getting checked what are they checking them for oh you know foreign substances oh then they just yeah. do that last inning it's, it's just I just feel bad for the casual fans yeah. and it's. I, I feel like in their in their effort to boost viewership, they they kind of hurt themselves by yeah. making stupid choices like this.
0: Yeah. There's there's one really like deep conspiracy theory um that actually bummed me out because it takes away a lot of the innocence of the game. Hmm. But did you see what Pete Alonso said?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, about the uh about how they'll they'll
0: fluctuate the the ball and whatever to Whichever free agency, like the free agency class looks like. Yeah, so basically Pete Alonso, who is the power hitting first baseman, the 2019 home run derby champion. He's doing the home run derby again, you saw? Yeah, I did see that. Um, He came out and basically said that um, everyone knows it, that MLB uses different baseballs to cater to what the free agency class looks like. So basically the free agents that are, or the players that are going to be free agents next year for whatever reason that I don't understand, MLB has an interest in making them play worse, that they deserve less money. Now it's all just laughable because we're talking about a guy making twenty-two million dollars per year rather than thirty million dollars per year. Um, you know that eight million dollar gap is probably a hundred times more money than I'll make in my entire lifetime. <laughs> um, but um, so what Pete Alonso is basically saying is that MLB is is dipping their hand in the cookie jar trying to make the game more difficult for hitters that are going to be big-time free agents. So this particular year, there's a handful of, of baseball's best players that are going to be hitting the free agent market, and there's a handful of of really you know deep-pocketed teams that need to make some moves um, in order to get their team established again. Um, so it's really interesting because... You know, if that's really what's going on, where MLB is tampering with the integrity of the game in order to sway, you know, how free agency looks. it's kind of sad because it really does take away from, from the integrity of the game. And it makes me a little bit sad. To be well, frank. didn't you
1: see, um, remember when Verlander was talking about how the balls had more drag, I think it was two years ago in 2019. Yeah. Um, that you can even feel it on the seams that the balls have changed over the past couple of years. Um, but didn't, uh, didn't, doesn't MLB own Rawlings now? Like they have a participating role in how the mm. balls are manufactured, which makes right. me a little uncomfortable. And yeah. it has that, yeah. you know, and, and, but it, it seems like some of the choices they make are all just cover their own butts.
0: Yeah. Um, I at first to keep this PG, right? Yeah, before I'd ever heard of this conspiracy theory, I thought that the juiced baseballs were because home runs bring in more ratings, which I 100% agree with. Yeah. Like some of to my a favorite, casual baseball
1: fan. Yeah. yeah. Well, even to me well, too. To
0: like I'm a hardcore baseball fan. I watch two games, three games a day this amount of the team. I watch a ton of baseball and as much as I love watching an elite pitcher go out there and, and spin the ball for eight innings, you know, eight-inning shut piece and, you know, two-to-zero game, I would way rather watch a game like the Phillies and Nationals today. From today. Where, where Andrew McCutcheon hit a grand slam. The very next inning, Josh Bell responded with a grand slam. They ended up finishing the game like 12-11 like or 11-10. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry about it. I don't care if you're casual or hardcore. That game is far more entertaining. I'd like maybe a little bit better pitcher duel. but Yeah.
1: Um, I watched uh, Freddie Peralta, once to Bruges game last week, Freddie Peralta and Tyler Maley. Like, Tyler Maley is another one with spin rate and stuff. Yeah. Like, with with coming out of nowhere, he struck yeah. out 12 guys that game. Yeah. Um, but that was a good 2-1 game.
0: Yeah, but um, but I think majority of fans, hardcore or not, they prefer the home runs. Yeah. And they, so I thought, okay, that totally makes sense. Juice the baseballs because, you know, uh, more home runs. That makes sense to me. And, you know, pitchers will adjust, I think, to keeping the ball low. You know, pitchers in their last, you know, ten years or so have really gone after that high inside fastball to strike someone out. You know, if guys are able to get on top of it, they can hit it out a lot easier than a ball that's in the dirt. So,
1: but maybe uh, they've <clears> gone the way pitchers have countered it is with the spider tack and different stuff like that with higher yeah. spin rate equals you might give up a home run or, right. or whatever here and there, but yeah. we're going to get through it better.
0: Yeah, what's what's the the, the you know the main thing is that when uh, the spin rate on the baseball is 2900 revolutions um the batting average against a 2900 revolution ball is like 0.67 yeah. and that's what Garrett Cole's been throwing and Garrett Cole inadvertently admitted to using it. I mean everyone already knew it was a bad press conference it was a really it was a press bad conference. press conference <laughs> but he ended, inter, you know he totally admitted to doing it um but now his his spin rate is back down to a realistic level yeah yeah you saw Still it dropped Still an elite pitcher, yeah, I think, but also it makes me feel sad for the teams like, like the Yankees who committed like nine years to him, $320 million. I mean, that's the thing where organizationally you feel like you've
1: got to know that so and so is doing this.
0: I, I figure that organizations knew and they just didn't think the MLB would would do anything, would about it. yeah, would saddle yeah, up and do something about that's, it. That's but fair anyways, enough. Anyways, let's let's uh steer the conversation to something that is a little more interesting to a broader audience other than <laughs> us. Um, Tell me about the greatest or the biggest or maybe your favorite sporting event that you have ever been to
1: yeah so um, yeah I love going to baseball games it's just the cheapest sport you know if yeah. you you know and if you're a casual sports fan out there go to a baseball game like uh, I just I realized we moved back here. Uh, from from training. We were missionary training. We moved back to Pennsylvania. It was 2018. And for whatever reason, my parents didn't take me to a lot of Yankee games growing up. Even the Yankee games were my favorite team. Born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, an hour outside the city. Never went to a ton of Yankee games. Went to one at the old stadium. It was a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Jarrett Wright pitched. It was horrible. Wow. Good glory days. <laughs> um, but I realized that you could go to a, you get a, a bleacher seat or upper deck seat for 20 bucks. Yeah. So I started looking around. I'm like, oh man, I can go to this. I went to like four games that year. Yeah. Well, uh, when they 2019, they were doing the fan, I was like postseason fan ticket lottery or something like that okay. for for the Yankees. So uh, my sister, her husband, two of their friends, Felicia and I, all entered into it. They try and get into the lottery so we could buy tickets earlier. So we we got in. I think like three of us got it. So we bought tickets for it was ALDS game two, mm-hmm. Twins Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was a beautiful night, so you know nice. we left the kids with my in laws. We went into the city because Felicia, she loves she loves going to games with me and stuff and doing that together. And upper deck, but I mean it was ninety five bucks, dude, for a playoff ticket. Yeah, which if you try and go and see any professional football game, like you look go yeah. to Packers in Wisconsin, go to Lambo, it's like one hundred and fifty for a nosebleed seat. Yeah, so ninety five bucks for a Yankee playoff game. It's some of the best money I've ever spent. And I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. And uh, I think they were up like 2 nothing at this point. But my favorite player was DeeDee. Mm-hmm. And DeeDee hit a grand slam. But I put, I pulled out my camera because the bases were loading. I thought, man, I think DeeDee's going to do something cool here. Yeah. And he hit a grand slam. So I have it on a video. Oh, I actually nice. have it pinned to my Twitter feed the top of my Twitter page because it was the coolest moment ever. There's my favorite player and my first Yankee playoff game nice. and watch DeeDee launch a grand slam. That was awesome. That, was a, cool. ton, that was a ton of fun.
0: So is that your best
1: one? Your That's favorite? probably my best one, dude. That is probably my best one. I mean, we yeah. went to ALCS game four, the next series against the Astros. Mm, uh, and they they got destroyed, dude. Yeah. They got destroyed. But you got to see CC pitch his last game. He blew out his shoulder that game. Yeah, and I was I was sweet in a different way. But yeah, but yeah, ALC or ALDS game two was, was my best
0: Playoff goals. Baseball there's is is so electric. Yeah, i there. I've only playoff games I've ever been to were at Dodger Stadium, but they are awesome, man. Yeah,
1: it's cool yeah. in the Northeast because you like. You get that cool October air, so you're yeah. like in a sweatshirt and it's fall and stuff. But there's but there's baseball going on. Yeah, it's awesome. A
0: lot of Dodger games. It's like 100 degrees in, <laughs> in playoff weather, and <laughs> you know, then you're in the hot sun. And uh, yeah, I've been to a couple couple Dodgers playoff games, and uh, yeah, they're pretty awesome. But Dodgers during the regular season, you can get a nosebleed seat for like three bucks. Yeah, it's not. Bad. It's just such a big stadium. There's only like you know, there's 53,000 seats rarely sold out on like a wednesday night yeah. so i used to i used to drive for a lift along with working full-time so i'd drive for lift out in the city earn enough money to you know buy myself a dodger ticket and parking go to the dodger game go home and uh you know the things that you do when you were single live alone <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they have uh at at uh, well it's american family field but i feel like it's always gonna be miller park they changed yeah. their name uh but they just came out, they have a deal, I guess, and this is all new to me because i never lived in Wisconsin before. Yeah, this is the Milwaukee but, Brewers. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers. Dude, they have so they have days where it's like five county Fridays. So mm-hmm. you can get in like half price tickets on Fridays. If you live in around Milwaukee, they have like kids 14 and under half off days. They have this thing where you can get a standing room only ticket for a whole month, every game that month for thirty five bucks. Wow. A ticket. So that's say they play fifteen home games, thirty five bucks for a standing room only seat for fifteen games. Yeah,
0: stand for like three hours though. I mean,
1: but there's probably enough empty seats. You can just pop in a seat, I'm yeah. sure. Even if it's upper deck or have you ever done
0: that? Have you ever swapped for a better seat at a game?
1: Yeah. The first Yankee game I went to actually, it was it was Jared Wright, it was 05, the old stadium. They're playing the Texas Rangers. Um Lance and Nick's do you remember Lance and Nicks? Yeah. It's kind of funny Lance how Knicks. those baseball names come yeah. back when they're such random players. Yeah. But uh we had I think we had upper deck seats, but it was kind of a rainy, misty day and mm. so we moved down not not like the first row, not like the first level behind the dugouts, because you they have usually have the ushers that block yeah. that. But the next row back, you know, you move up and kind of kind of steal a seat. Nice every now and
0: then. Well, I remember one time, um, I went to I went to a Kings game. This was a Los Angeles Kings game, a hockey game. I got free tickets from my girlfriend's dad because um, he wasn't able to go. Girlfriend at the times, dad. I'm ex girlfriend now. <laughs> just to confirm you know better safe than sorry but he gave me some free tickets and uh it was me and a friend from work i forget his name but i think his name was blake and um we were up there and he was like nosebleeds behind the goal so like the worst seats you can get were the ones that we had the very top row um but they were free you know and so we we were there we got there super early and they're all warming up and and going around and whatever and uh so we thought, you know, we got enough time. Let's try and, like, sneak down and see if we can get a better ticket. So we sneak down on a floor level at the Staples Center, and we pick a random aisle where we see a security guard's, like, distracted. <laughs> so we pick a random aisle, and we just play it cool, man. We just walk down, kind our head. You know, we just go, like, yeah, we know exactly where we're going. Oh, yeah, look, that's our row. You know, fake looking at tickets, stuff like that. So next thing you know we're, like, center ice on the glass, right? We're watching these hockey players go by. Um, Andrew Kopitar, who is uh, I believe he's still in the Kings. He's a total stud. He threw us a puck, so we got like a puck from oh, dude! <clears throat> and then, you know, the game is like about to start kind of soon, and we're still just in these seats, and we're like, and the stadium's filling up, and like, shoot, man. And Staples Center only holds like 15,000. Yeah, I it's, that yeah in, it's small. It, it's pretty small in comparison to many stadiums. You know, like like Madison Square Gardens, like much bigger than Staples Center. And um, so we're like, shoot, man, let's try and stay put, or maybe move over a seat or something like that if someone comes kick us out. And then I had this ingenious idea. It's a, it, it was a generational idea that you have once in a lifetime, you have something, you, your mind contrives to do something this smart. I went on StubHub right before the game started, and I looked for tickets near me that weren't sold yet or that were still for sale on StubHub. So I knew that, that the likelihood of them being bought this late before the game starts yeah. So sure enough, the game was scheduled to start in five minutes. Stubhub's gonna pull the tickets off in like five minutes or so. And I find these seats like two row or two seats down from us. So we ended up staying there the whole game. <laughs> so we went from nosebleeds behind the goal, like the worst seats you can have, to center ice on the glass. We we're banging on the glass, people were fighting on the glass and all that. That's a bold move moving down to, yeah. to seats right at the beginning. Yeah, the, the bummer is that we didn't have any food the whole game and we had to pee really bad. Um, because if you left, the security guard wouldn't let you back down because you have to have your with, ticket with you. So we had to stay down there the entire game oh, in order to make it work, and it was worth it because like, I've always said that I've been to like every major sporting event. I've been to an NBA game. I've been to an NFL game. Uh, I've been to like dozens of baseball games. I've been to a couple NBA and a couple NFL, but like probably over 100 Dodger games, and nothing beats a hockey game live. Like... At least at the Staples Center. I've never been anywhere else. Mm. I've been to, like the Binghamton Devils, <laughs> which is changing. I don't know if you've heard about that. The Binghamton Devils, the Devils got sold to somewhere else and they're Yeah, movie. who are they now? I don't know, but um, who cares? Anyways, but I tried
1: going to a game once. Do you Mad- Madison Square Garden.
0: Oh yeah? Did you go to Madison? Oh yeah, it's tell me tell me the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well I figured that'd be a good segue segue. You know, yeah, know I I, I, mean. I
0: know where this is going, but I actually <laughs> know the whole story. So Yeah, I've never told you this story before. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. So I was, like I said, I was born and raised in Jersey about, about an hour outside of the city. And I don't you look at things, me like I know. I What'd you say? You looked at me like I knew. Well, I, you know, I just, <laughs> I, I'm a verbal process. So I can just kind of talk out loud sure, sure, and sure, ask sure. myself questions yeah, yeah. and answer them myself. Uh, and back then, I mean, any, I even say back then, God, I'm 28. So yeah. that would have been, that was 14 years ago, which puts us around 2005. Uh, and, and back then, you could we go to the city for the day. Just me yeah. and my buddies and just hang out. We're 13, 14 years old. Have my sister drop us off at the train station in uh, New Brunswick, hop on the train, take it into New York Penn Station and have a day. It was that's, like That's the dream. It was like 20 bucks, dude, for a round trip train ticket. So at that that age, you know, it was like Christmas break. I think so. We had nothing going on. It's like let's go, let's go hang in the city. Yeah. And then my wife's like, oh, we're not sending our kids there and letting our kids do that." And I mean, I don't know. I guess times have changed. We had no cell phones. Yeah. You know, maybe one of us had like a debit card or something like that, but we didn't have anything, and we just went to the city for for, for the day for ourselves. So I remember getting off. And if you've never been to New York City, you've been to the city, right? Yeah. Okay. A couple times. So have you ever taken the train in? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I just remember as a kid, like it always just felt. I just felt like I was on top of the world every time I'd ride that escalator up, yeah. up coming out of Penn Station and come out of Madison Square Garden. And, you know, I, you know, raised in the city, a little suburb in New Jersey, but going into the city and was like, man, this place is, yeah. this place is hopping. And come out in the streets and, and it, it was just awesome. I loved being in New York City and just full of, of life and full of stuff to do and people mm-hmm. everywhere. And so I remember one of the guys we went with is Hung Nguyen. So if Hung Nguyen randomly listens to this. I oh, haven't talked to sure. you in the ten years, bro. Yeah, but, You know, Hung Nguyen, you this said? was you. You 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 concocted this idea, Hung Nguyen. Yeah, he probably still lives in Jersey
0: somewhere. Sounds like an Asian individual.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Vietnamese, Vietnamese.
0: Um, Shout out to Vietnam, dude. Love the. But dude, over
1: there. so he so he starts going around to the scalpers because we found out there was a Rangers New York Rangers game that night, and started going around the scalpers asking how much tickets were, and they were like, ah, hundred hundred bucks, hundred bucks. He's like, nah, we we ain't paying hundred bucks. We're fourteen years old. We don't have that kind of money. Yeah. So we went about our day. I'm trying to even think of what we did. I mean, we probably did the Times Square thing, the Central yeah. Park thing. Um and probably went to Rockefeller Center too. Rockefeller Center is my favorite place on earth. Love that place. Uh, it's just super – it's just beautiful around Christmas time. That's another yeah. story. So we we just went about our day and started making our way back to – to Madison Square Garden and Penn Station to head to head back home and, and have my sister pick us up. Um, and so my buddy Hung, we just start asking about ranger tickets. You know the game time's getting closer and so we figured maybe the price is dropping, price is dropping. And so we we're talking to to these scalpers and we eventually got the price down to like fifty bucks a ticket. And we're like, sweet. So I remember my buddy Pat Purcell and I, uh, I didn't have a debit card. and I was out of cash. You know, this is, I don't know if, if the kids listening to this podcast know what cash is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't have any debit card. I ran out of cash. I brought like probably 150 bucks with me to the city for the day. Uh, and i was i was almost out of cash i didn't have 50 bucks so my buddy pat and i went to like a mcdonald's or or a td bank or something to an atm to pull money out Mm -hmm. so we could pull out some money and he loaned me the 50 bucks for the ticket and so we go we pay this guy we get our tickets and i mean as 14 year old kids never been to madison square garden before we were pumped dude yeah going going into the and and it's a pretty have you been to madison square you've been ever been inside it no so like it's a pretty long walk in there because They have, like, when you come out of Penn Station, they have, like, this almost, uh, like, gathering space where they have, like, the current Knicks players and their fat heads, like, their actual height. Yeah. And you can go stand and take pictures. It's kind of, like, almost like a tourist space okay. if you want to be a tourist and, you know, just say you saw Madison Square Garden. Yeah, But then you actually go in and you open up some double doors and you go through there. And uh, we got to the ticket teller uh, and, and he takes a look at our tickets and first thing, dude, these are fake. Uh, and we're looking and we're like... You got to be freaking kidding me, dude. Yeah. 14 years old, like our hearts, went. we were like cloud nine. Dude, we were so pissed. I was pissed too. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, growing up on the East Coast, a little more attitude towards me, or if I just have a natural, like, you know, fight or flight, I'm a natural fight kind of person. Yeah. I was ticked, dude. So he told us actually, and so if you're listening to this and want to go scalp some tickets, he gave us a great, great advice. He's like, next time you buy uh, tickets from a scalper. Have, have the scalper walk you up to the gate to, with, with the tickets. And if he'll do that, you know that they're real tickets. But if he won't do that, don't buy them because they're fake. Because if someone's yeah. selling you real tickets, they'll walk with you and hand you the tickets in front of the teller. And then, boom, you know you got real tickets. Well, we got scammed, dude. I, I mean, I, I I left Madison Square Garden like a bat out of hell trying to find this guy. Just trying to find this guy and trying to find an African-American in that area around Madison Square Garden, around game time and stuff in New York City. Oh, it was impossible. Trying yeah. to find that one single dude like bro. Give me back my freaking money. Yeah. Give me back Pat Purcell's money because you took his 50 bucks. Yeah. And it was, it was just a bummer, man. Four or five, 14-year-old kids getting scammed out of money. You know, I'm yeah, just trying to think ridiculous. like, dude,
0: come on, man. Not much money to kids that young. It's like a fortune.
1: Oh, dude. dude. Yeah, man. We don't have that kind of money. We yeah. don't have that kind of money. And thought we're all going to this Ranger ticket, Super pumped to go master square guard. And dude, he freaking took advantage of us. I found one guy and I started swearing at him and yelling at him and stuff. And I don't know if I, I don't, I wasn't trying to pick a fight, but I was mad. I yeah. was so mad. And Have you again, ever been
0: in a fight before?
1: No, no. I probably tussled with a couple of kids in middle school or whatever, but not like an <laughs> actual like not an actual fight. Fight. I've never been in a fight.
0: No, just kind of a, little, a couple scrums. Tim Murray from New Tribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knocked me out cold twice. No, he didn't. Yeah, one time um, when uh, when I went when I was at school there, he and I would wrestle all the time. Tim and I are best of friends. Oh I still love Tim. <laughs> and uh He's cop now. But yeah, yeah, he is a cop now. Um, right. But Tim and I wrestled a couple of times, and one time he choked me out cold. Oh, dear. Um, and I uh, was his
1: RA. I should have known that.
0: What's that? I was his RA. <laughs> Were you RA at that time? Yeah. Were yeah. you? I was
1: that was Tim's RA.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, no, because Curtis was my RA when I was there.
1: Oh, maybe it switched. Maybe it was the second year or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But anyway, so, uh, so Tim knocked me out. It was actually the first year because you were an intern when I was there. Oh, that, that makes yeah. sense. That yeah. makes sense. So so Tim knocked me out cold. And then one time we were wrestling and he, like, or we were play fight. I don't know. I mean, this just sounds so incredibly immature. But and he backhanded me in my face and knocked me out cold. Oh, no, dude. Is this never, just down,
1: down in the dorm? What? Is this just down in the dorm?
0: Yeah. just – all over the place that's funny and uh i loved him that tim and i were best buds and yeah yeah, that's where we actually met was uh at new tribes bible institute in jackson michigan same Uh place where i met my smoldering wife becca um but it's so funny just how full circle things go because i remembered you when i met you there i mean you know wasn't that long ago and there weren't that many people so it's not that surprising but you always wore the same Yankee shirt all the time because you were maintenance, and you probably had like one designated shirt. Which uh, what Yankee shirt was it? Was it my Pettit one? I think it was Andy Pettit. Yeah, um, Andy Pettit. But yeah, but uh, I, I, I'm interested to talk to you about that though because I've shared on here a couple of times my my you know why I didn't last very long and my struggles there um, and everything like that. And I wanted to get your your take on it. Do you remember much of me when I was there?
1: Uh, probably a little bit. Were you there a semester or a year? A semester. Okay. It was so a semester
0: I, fall of 2014.
1: So probably a little bit, but not a ton.
0: Yeah. Well, what I can tell you is that I was a, I was a problem for a lot of people and I didn't feel like I should have been. Um, but, uh, and I've shared this on the podcast before, but I showed up and, um, it didn't immediately connect with the place. Um, but also the place didn't connect with me super well. And that was the first time in my life I had had been the person that people had a hard time understanding. Or I had never been the type of person to be in trouble all the time. But I was in trouble for little things. I like having my way of doing things um, and my system of things. And so one of those was is that I would intentionally let some of my homework compile on top of each other. And I would do it on Sundays in like the break room. Yeah. Or the lounge or whatever. And the reason is because they had NFL red zone. I like doing my homework and glancing over and seeing, you know, the scores, of the football games. Yeah. That was like my thing to do. And sure enough, someone pulled me out of there. My Dean pulled me out of there and he, you know, um, grouched at me and got me in, in trouble. And, and and but little things like that kept happening. And I got called out once because I was carrying an empty cardboard box down the stairs and I dropped it down the stairs and went tumbling down the stairs. And someone told my dean on, on me that I was throwing boxes down the stairs. Oh, dude. Um, and <clears throat> I don't have no ill will towards the individual. I will say that my dean was Brian Connard. And it was, <laughs> I, it was his first year being a dean. And I think looking back now as so I've had a chance to process it, I, I think he felt that his job was to bust people. And was to get on people's case rather than working with him on being a part of the environment and actually enjoying their time there. Yeah. I think he took every opportunity to reprimand me and it really got to me. Yeah. Um, and so my attitude towards the place turned really sour. Mm. And I left on, on good terms. I'm actually back now just online and under its new name, Ethnos 360. But what can you tell me about your experience there? Um, obviously you went and you did two years to school there. How did your experience differ from mine? I mean, you were a lot closer, uh, um, Michigan's kind of dead center in the country. You were on the East coast, um, in the suburb of a big city. I was on the West coast in the suburb, suburb of a big city. Um, but what was your experience like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it went differently for me, um, you know, I had come from, I was an intern in Tijuana, Mexico before I went to Bible school. Okay. And that's, you know, it's kind of where I got, you know, challenged in the missions. And I actually even kind of hate that terminology, terminology challenge in the missions or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, but I knew I wanted to get involved in missions. And so I knew I needed some Bible education. So yeah, I had known uh, somebody who went through there. And so I, you know. It was cheap, too. You know, it was one of the cheapest places I found to get Bible education. And so I decided to, to go up to, to New Tribes or NTBI or now Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. And, uh, you know, I, I went there for a specific reason. And so I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any run-ins with the deans or anything like that. Um, you know, I think sometimes, like philosophically, there can be some differences uh, amongst staff members. And, you know, we talk a lot about grace and, mm-hmm. but, in actually like working that out in practicality, you know, what does it look like? You know, you know, even, you know, what, what I'm doing now, which we can get to later, but you know, you see somebody doing something or struggling with something like, usually it's, it could be an indicator of something else that's going on. So instead of, you know, Hey, don't be doing that. Or what do you, what do you got going on? Like, what are you doing that for? Like, just take them out to coffee and sit down like, Hey, like, how are, how are things going you know i've heard this or i've seen this and you know i just don't know like is there something yeah. else going on or whatever like you know i've i've uh i've just come around to thinking through like if you see something in somebody's life you know you have an op- opportunity to just have a conversation yeah. like it doesn't have to be hammering down on something and and I, I didn't you know it's most of what i got was 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 uh having a conversation i mean i guess i didn't break the rules or wasn't a, a nuisance to anybody for me to have any of the conversations like you might've had. Cause I might've had some of the same ones, but, um, I loved it, dude. Uh, it was, it was great. I had, I think for me growing up in a Christian home and stuff like that, like it was a really good time to actually have a solid foundation poured in my life for, uh, knowing God and and pursuing him and what that looks like. And, you know, it's been, it's been seven years since I graduated now, so if I look back, there's probably some different things that I wish were done differently, or I yeah. wish were different emphases or whatever. Um, but I think my biggest takeaways now, even like seven years removed, is I learned, I learned more about God and my relationship with Him, and I still enjoy theology. But the things that I deal with more daily, uh, you know, kind of flow out of you know, my understanding of God's character. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what, that's what Bible school was good for, for me for. I met my wife there too. Shout that's out right. to Felicia. What was that?
0: Like, how did you meet Felicia? Um, I mean, I know it's probably the same way that a lot of people yeah, like yeah. You know, tell, tell did, did, you did the Bible
1: school thing. Dude, there really isn't a story, man. She says we met in the lunch line. I mean, I don't really recall. I don't really <laughs> recall much. I, I mean. So who made the first move? Oh, dude. Bro, that's like stretching back nine years. I mean, I think it was like a mutual thing where we just started hanging out together, and then it kind of turned into like doing homework together or whatever. And then I was interested in her, so I actually, you know, had a conversation with her about, you know, I was interested in her and didn't know, you know, what she felt or anything like that. Uh, and so then that kind of turned it okay, like we're interested in each other and getting to know each other a little bit. And I remember I had a conversation with her dad, like, hey, you know, I think your daughter's cute and, mm. um, Roger, you know, Roger, yeah. Roger Dodger, love the dater, and, and we, you know, had that conversation and. <laughs> um, but I, I don't exactly I was
0: trying to think of what that's like. having that conversation with Roger, dude. He was. He, I love Roger so much, dude, dude. Roger's
1: awesome, man. Yeah, I love Roger, uh, and and everything. I don't know if he tries to be nonchalant, like if everything inside, like you know, maybe he's thinking something different, wants to come yeah. across like, hey, I'm pretty chill or whatever. Or if he, sometimes he's just chill, but he was, he was really, he was really chill about it.
0: Yeah. yeah. like Let me give yeah, you a dude. quick, a quick Go Roger ahead. story, just because I, I genuinely do love What him. if he
1: listens to this? Is it going to be a good
0: one? Yeah, it's <laughs> a good one. Um, Just because I, I genuinely love your father-in-law. Yeah. He's been such a wonderful guy to know since moving here. He's the type of guy where he actually makes me feel at home in this area. Sure. He's one of a few people, and I actually really appreciate yeah. Roger and Roger's heart. But to give you, and, and the listeners, a, a glimpse into what Roger is Roger like. Roger Haynes. Roger Haynes. Um, my daughter, Haven, um, loved going on. He has a, a riding mower that is a lot better than mine. And it has a wagon in the back. And he took Haven and Gabe and Shiloh for a little tow around the yard mm. in the back of the wagon. And Haven just loved it. And so they, um, the kids went back for like a birthday thing a couple weeks ago. And Roger, Holly was telling Becca that Roger spent like two hours carving a a path in the yard through the tall grass around his property um, and making sure that he weed whacked things so that Haven couldn't reach out and get like a thorn in her finger or something like that. So Roger spent two hours of his time paving a way that was safe for Haven to go on another tractor out in the back of his tractor. And he simply did it for my daughter's like joy and happiness. And to me that like, I mean like as like Haven's dad that just like touched me like and you know, was so so kind. Um but like I just love the joy that Haven gets from things. Yeah. And so another person like does something for her like that, it just like anyway. So that's just like my one. one he, lo- Roger he loves story. kids. He loves kids. Yeah. Anyways, I love Roger. So you so you uh you ask Roger for permission to date Holly. Not, not Holly. That's I'm my sorry. Holly's Holly's your mother-in-law. That would be a whole other question if you ask him that permission. No, Felicia. Um, I get their names except for some reason. Yeah. But uh, so Felicia and he's super chill about it, as I would expect him to be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so so then then what?
1: Oh, then we dated for, oh man, it had to have been six months? Um, it had to have been six months? And then I broke up with her, dude. No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Summer of 2013, bro. So I broke up with her um your father-in-law James Camacho passed away and then her dog died in the span of like 3 weeks oh, it man. was a rough it was a rough summer yeah. uh and well, I didn't know any of that at the time i think she actually might have reached out to me like when when uh when pastor james died and like hey you know you know james died and and yada 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 i just thought you would want to know and i was like oh god i'm like the world's worst human being yeah. uh yeah and then her golden retriever that she had, had for you know 10 years or whatever 4th of july fireworks Gave yeah. it a heart attack and no. her, her dog died. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Yep. So then we, you know, but it, the, that summer was hard, dude. Long distance dating is just no fun at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in Arizona and she was in Pennsylvania and right. I was working for a residential house framing crew. So I was up at 4 a.m., work at 5, and she's kind of already going at work. And by the time I'm done with work, she's eating dinner. And then by the time she's done, we kind of swapped uh I'm eating dinner and then she would stay up a little bit later to talk to me but you know when you're young and you're texting throughout the day and whatever by the time the evening comes you got nothing to talk about yeah. and it just it just became a lot and it was just a lot to try and pull off and do yeah. um and so we broke up and then we got back together later that fall uh I started I started hanging around a little bit you know I remember I was sitting in class one day and um started working through like i was a pretty legalistic guy Mm -hmm. um and i still probably am i still probably struggle a little bit with legalism and expectations and you know what i expect of myself and what i expect of other people and so started like the lord finally revealing some of those things in my life and kind of how i would i would put things things on other people and that would kind of create unhealthy relationships and mm. uh, unhealthy relational dynamic. And yeah. so anyway, I started sorting through that stuff and I'm like, oh dang, like I actually do like, I still like Felicia. I'm still into her. So I started hanging around a little bit more. And, mm. uh, and then I remember I asked her roommate um, because if Felicia wasn't interested anymore, like, all right, that's no problem. Like I'll just, you know, go about my business and whatever. I remember asking her roommate, like, Hey, do you think she would ever be interested in me again? You know, not even is she just, would she ever be interested in me again? And I remember her roommate told me no. And so, all right, no problem. I'll just kind yeah, of go about my business. When I
0: know her roommate? Uh, I was Emily Neighbor. Uh, okay.
1: I, so I just went about my business and, you know, no problem. Uh, and then eventually she um, she reached out to me and wanted, and we went for a walk. And she told me she was still into me too. And so we started dating again. And then we got engaged end of March of 2014 and married May of
0: 2014. Wow. Yep. How about that? How about that, dude? So yeah, you were a newly married guy when I met you. Yeah, because yeah. I freshly arrived married. Arrived on scene at like in like August or September of yeah. twenty fourteen. Yeah, freshly married, dude. Wow, that's a that's actually a pretty decent story. Hey, I mean, you know, it's not my I, favorite I, story. I, I had no idea that you broke up with her. Yeah, yeah. Usually, people are like, "Oh, I had, you know, how'd you meet? How'd you date?
1: You know, yeah. and Felicia breaks what out. What was like, it like? Oh, he broke up with me. I'm like, oh, God. What God, was I like, like navigating
0: talk? all of that with Jared in the picture? Jared is is Felicia's older brother. Well, so he's the, a pretty he's a he's a tall drink of water. He's a real tall, handsome drink of water.
1: Well, he's like physically imposing, but once you get to know him, like it doesn't quite match up with his personality. Yeah, I like so, he could be a lot more intimidating if he wanted
0: to be. Yeah, he's um, he looks like you know the movie Pan, like Peter Pan, like the actual live action Peter Pan, the blonde kid. I don't. I haven't seen that one, dude. Okay, well that's what he looks like. like. You're talking about Hook,
1: and like he don't look like Robin Williams.
0: <clears throat> no, I know it was. uh pan i'll show you the cover of it and see <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> I pan like, on youtube and it just gave me frying pans because of course our like jared
1: like jared and lee and our lives like just haven't matched up a ton over the years like so when we were dating they were at mtc okay and then when we dated the second time they were raising support mm. um and then when we got married, we actually got married that quick, like from engagement to marriage, yeah. because they were leaving for uh, for for the mission field in July of twenty fourteen.
0: That's Peter Pan. Do you think
1: mean, that looks like Jared? I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe when he was a
0: kid. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's got that blonde baby face look to him. He's yeah, He's he is baby-faced. He is baby-faced.
1: But so they were leaving for, for the mission field like July of 2014. So we mm-hmm. got married. And so, you know, we, I maybe spent like a month together, you mm-hmm. know, kind of around then. And then they left. And then they were kind of back and forth a couple times. And sometimes Leo was back with the kids. Sometimes it was just Jared. Yeah. And so we really haven't gotten to know each other a ton over the year. I mean, we've been married for seven years. Yeah. But Jared and, and I have maybe spent... You know, a total of 10, 15 hours together, cumulative, mm-hmm. over seven years of or eight years of dating his his, his sister, because um, our lives just haven't matched up. You know, we then yeah. we were at MTC and they were maybe back on yeah. furlough and yeah. then we were on staff. I
0: think that's like one of the things that people don't understand is involved in a missionary sacrifice. Is that a lot of people think that the biggest sacrifice missionary makes is that. they have to live in a different country and they miss out on the super bowl or they miss out on you know genuine coca-cola or whatever (laughs) when the the biggest thing is that you don't know your brother-in-law that well no and you haven't spent a lot of time and i haven't either I yeah you know i it still trips me out that their kids call me uncle mason i forgot that i was an uncle right up until they they you know were bouncing around shooting uh you know, the Nerf guns at me, call me uncle Mason. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I kind of am their uncle. <laughs> That's a huge sacrifice. The missionaries make is that, you know, you went in your own direction as a missionary and then, and then Jared uh, went in his own direction as a missionary. And because of that years later, you guys really haven't had a chance to get to know each other. Super yeah. Well. My
1: sister and brother-in-law, they live in New York city, they live in Brooklyn yeah. and uh, she's just a school teacher. And, they can come visit us anytime. So we usually see them probably about three or four times a year. Like they'll fly out to see us, stay with us. Um, and we'll go into the city and see them. So like, yeah, we, we know them because we just we're able to see them a lot more because
0: they're, they're in the
1: States full time and stuff. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, Jared is a, Jared's a, an interesting guy, that's for sure. He's yeah. gonna come on the podcast one of these days, I think. So,
1: Didn't I told? I asked him about it today. So are you gonna go on Mason's podcast? Ah, I don't
0: know. Yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's definitely Roger's son, it son. Jared is definitely, <laughs> definitely Roger's son. So, so let's talk a little bit about what you do now. Um, so obviously you stay with new tribes, um, and you went through MTC, correct? Yeah, yeah, we to, went through
1: MTC 2016 to 2018.
0: 2018, yeah. and then. Um, disaster struck. You had found out you had Crohn's disease. Well, I've actually had Crohn's disease since I was eleven. All right, so disaster struck years before. <laughs> you know what you know when that was,
1: dude? This is, this is what I blame it on. All right, sorry, I got to segue back to baseball real quick. Oh boy. So I got diagnosed. Was, Stadium hot dogs, dude. It was two thousand four, bro. It was two thousand four. Okay. I mean, you don't have an October 2004. I, you don't have happened October two thousand four? I do not have happened October two thousand four. Yeah. The great so comeback. I'm, dude, so Yankees are up three games and nothing. Red Sox, ALCS, and they blew a three-game lead. Lost lost four four games to three. Lost in game seven. Yep. So I went to the hospital. I had like 105 fever. I'm, the Yankees must have stressed me out big time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it was right around. I mean, it wasn't exactly during that series, but I remember like having a fever, a little sick, on the couch watching one of those games. Yeah. And I uh, blamed the Yankees for it, dude.
0: Yeah. But years later, yep. Crohn's disease would keep you from going overseas to a different country. Yeah. Um, and so you now serve as a missionary on campus at Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is where Beck and I would elect to go if we ever did actually do school in person on campus. Um, in uh, in Wisconsin, you live there with your your wife and your two kids. Um, and uh, tell me a little bit about what you do there.
1: Yeah. So. It's just like any any other school, but it's a it's a pretty close knit community. Um, you know, I mean, think I think right now there's like 180 students, um, but there's like a three to one staff ratio, so it's pretty sweet. You know, my wife and I, uh, we basically were there to invest in students and disciple students. I mean, that's our that's our big goal, uh, and why we're there is to to build relationships with these students, uh, encourage them, challenge them, walk alongside them in their relationship with God. Um, you know as they as they're some of them living on their own for the first time some of them uh, a little older maybe having some baggage in their life and they come into Bible school uh, with you know different different uh, perspectives on God and different things like, it's a privilege of walking alongside those guys and you know they're not all going to go on the mission field and, and be missionaries and whatever and we know that um, but a cool opportunity to be able to build relationships and, and encourage these guys in their walk with God wherever they end up whether they're pastors or um, truck drivers or missionaries yeah. overseas, whatever it is. So uh, I work in the Dean's department and I'm with the single guys in the Dean's department. We get to talk about porn all day. Good lord, <laughs> um, I'll never uh, forget. Those, dude, you, uh, had the, you had that one, uh, the podcast about porn, right? at your last job or whatever. Yeah. 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 Dude, we could talk about like porn most of the day and yeah, masturbation and all those kind of fun things. Oh yeah. Um, but I remember, no, like-
0: uh, Brian Connard, same guys before he used to, you yeah, asked her what about their thought life. <laughs> and i used to be like what the heck? Do, you, do you use that term also uh no no dude no dude okay, i mean
1: may, maybe like in there like if they're not struggling with porn like is it, is it that you're struggling with your thought
0: life like you know thinking what's about funny things. is that he was saying thought life it took me years to figure before out. i finally figured out like oh he's talking about like, what i'm imagining or what i'm thinking about <laughs> so like if i'm thinking about girls yeah. which Guilty, yeah. all the time. No, I, I, now it's my wife all the time, which is is a healthy thing. But. I try and
1: come up with uh, different different words for masturbation, yeah. so I don't have to say masturbation all the time. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk so about. I'll call it rub, rubbing the chub. Oh, okay. I, well, <laughs> guys, a, get a kick out of that. Well, yeah. it, may, it, may, it loosens the tension and it makes them laugh a little bit. So yeah, you know, it, you know, it's good. Um, but yeah, like so. So I work in the single guys department, and um. I get to hang out with guys all the time. So I mean, I took a couple guys hunting last year. Um, saw a deer with one of them but it didn't shoot anything. I'll take guys hunting, uh, I, you know, I took one guy, to sight in my crossbow, when that needed sighted in, I'll take, you know, I'll go golfing with a guy, we'll go out for coffee, lunch, watch the movies, play sports, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. um, you know, trying to do some life on life, um, you know, where they get to, you know, know me and my family, and even some of the things that I struggle with and deal with, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not perfect either, man. I got I got all kinds of baggage. Yankees hey, fan after all. Dude, dude. Dude, when you're a winner like us, you don't have to worry about that. When was last time they won a World Series? 2009. You know, don't get me on a tangent about Brian Cashman because I got plenty of things to say about oh, Brian Cashman. Yeah, say that for a different podcast. Oh, That'd be a whole
0: episode. <laughs> yeah, um, that, but, that's a really cool job and it's an important job, you know, because I I was a guy who was a young single, a guy that could have used someone that catered to me a little bit better than brian did and that's again i have nothing personal against brian Conner. he was a very masculine man's man i remember he yeah. used to have like ufc wannabe fights like in their house where he'd <laughs> invite people over to wrestle and i know i was joking earlier about tim knocking me out a couple of times but like that just wasn't me i wasn't gonna spend my time hanging out with a bunch of dudes wrestling each other it just sounds a little bit you know not my uh not my tea but even though it is pride month it's not really my thing um but you know, Brian and I really didn't relate to one another, um, and there wasn't really any guy there that that I felt really comfortable relating mm. to that really, like, made an effort to understand me. It was really unfortunate because Josh Matthew would have been a perfect guy. I think mm. I love Josh Matthew, but at his time, he, his son was born extremely premature, Ezra, yeah, okay. Um, who's doing well now, which is great, but um, he would have been a lot more, you know, better for that role for me. Yeah. But, um, well, the nice thing so there's a difference in how Jackson kind
1: of did it and how how Waukesha kind of did it. So when I was a student at Jackson, you each dean kind of had their their couple RAs and all the guys in those dorms. Um, in Waukesha, I mean, it's kind of free game. Like we each have like our RAs that we have, but the rest of the single guys like it's free game. Yeah. So if so and so, I mean, it makes it a little could be a little more confusing or a little more work because like, it's just not as black and white. Yeah. But you know, if you get along with so-and-so better, well go, go hang out with him. Or you get along with so-and-so, go hang out with him. You're hanging out with staff member, go ahead. You know, like it doesn't have to be us just discipling uh everybody like yeah. it it can be a group collective effort um so that's actually kind of refreshing and refreshing to be able to do and you know have dating couples over you know wife and i love doing that oh that's having fun. dating couples over to hang out you know play play a game or how watch many, a movie. Uh, how
0: many engagements did you guys have this year oh, dude I, I i didn't count uh <laughs> i
1: mean i think it was like
0: was it six i think it was six six at, six at least very cool yeah well I, I gotta tell you it's an important job um uh, really important job and I know several people that you know as well, I'm not going to say their name here on the podcast, but have gone to the New Tribes and have left New Tribes and, or or any Bible school too, and they refer to themselves now as ex-evangelicals. I don't know if you've heard that term, but hmm. um, are essentially walking away from hmm. their faith and uh, and they have their own reasons, but for the most part, their reason is to pursue things of this world. and. Um, so any layer that there can be aside from the actual education part of Bible school, I think is so critical to, um, to people who are, you know, just coming, coming out of Bible school, yeah. especially people who are like me, who went there extremely mature and left kind of hurt and, and sad, uh, that he was rejected from a place that he thought he would find a home in. Hmm. Um, so anyways, I'm really happy for that. you guys are doing that. I think that's really great.
1: Yeah, dude, it's hard. Like, I, you know, I watch, you know, students do that do that now. And, you know, people I went to Bible school with and, and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, even, even people I went to youth group with in high school or people I knew as pastors yeah. or, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, there's no way to perfectly avoid that or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, you know, that's not, it's not our, that's not our business. It's their own, their own choices, their own walk with God and whatever. Um, but I am, I am pretty passionate about just as much as I'm able to, uh, in, in my own life. And, and speak to these students to help them, help them just be aware that, you know, life is just super messy. You know, like, I'm pretty passionate about just helping people understand, like, be aware that, like, life is, life is messy. Mm-hmm. Life, life is, can I, can I, is it PG? Do we keep this PG? Yeah. Can keep, keep it a PG? Life is pretty crappy. I oh, guess, that's I could say, a bad word. I <laughs> could say something else, dude. Yeah. Um, but it, really, really it is. And I, I think think sometimes, you know, Christianity you know, we're afraid to talk about some of those things or mm-hmm. afraid to delve into certain issues or afraid to recognize like what's actually happening in people's yeah. lives, what's actually happening behind the scenes. And so, you know, we go into church with our smiles on our faces or we kind of have elephants in the room that we can't really talk about or deal with. And it's just super unfortunate because, um, you know, a lot of these kids are 18, 19, and maybe maybe some of them have some things in their past that they're able to to tie you know, biblical truths to like experiences they've had and be like, okay, that like makes sense to me. Uh, but for a lot of them, it's their first time living on their own or their MKs are coming off the field. They don't really have a ton of life experience to kind of tie with, you know, with God. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, God's conforming you to his image and, you know, it sounds all like nice and sweet and cookie cutter and, you know, get that tattooed on you or, you know, Mm -hmm. some, something cool, a cool little tagline. But I've just found over the years that like it, like being conformed to the image of Christ hurts. Like yeah. it is a painful experience, and it's not fun. It's not always enjoyable. I mean, it's worth it, but it's not. It's yeah. not always fun. And you know, you look at the world, and you look at politics or social media or um, people suffering with you know physical illnesses, and the list could go on and on and on. And you know, life is messy. It life is. is messy. It's crappy. It's full. Of, it's full of garbage. And um, being able to. Being an effective minister to people where you can empathize and understand what people are going through and communicate God's truth and his character to people in situations like that and come alongside people is just a a really healthy place to be and a hobby horse for me, um, you know, in my life and the things that you know yeah. I've been
0: through in life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you, man. I think we're going to wrap up this episode there. No, um, I dude, appreciate you coming on. You made it to you an hour and uh. Yeah, man. I, I, I gotta say like, you know, it, it's so funny that you and I are friends to me um, because of like, I knew you as the intern guy, you were my second favorite intern right behind uh, Jen Raby. <laughs> um, and uh, but it just is funny to me how full circle things went to now that we're kind of not really, but like kind of kind related, of, kind of related now through marriage, you know, you're, uh, your sister is married to my brother-in-law, um, or that doesn't th- sound right. Your sister, my
1: sister-in-law, is married to my sister-in-law is your sister-in-law.
0: There you go. Your you go. your sister is married to my wife's brother-in-law. My wife's sister married. You just <laughs> make this sound like if you Could you say my sister? My no, sister no, 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 no. You're, You it is your sister. No, no, it's not your sister. It's your wife's sister. It's my wife's sister. sister. is married to my wife's brother. There we go. My wife's sister is married to your wife's brother. Dude, you're going to get like no suspicion. I kept thinking of Jared as a sister for some (laughs) reason. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, I do appreciate coming on. It is crazy to me that that we're friends now, that we're kind of related just because things have gone full circle for me. And uh, anyways, I'm so grateful for, um, you know, all the forgiveness you've given me over the years and and just love you've shown me as, you know. Um, you know, since moving out here and friend, you've been to me. So I do appreciate it a lot. Um, appreciate wearing the Dodgers jersey and being Dude, a man of your word. I'm a man of my word. And uh, anyways, man. go Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. That's going to wrap up episode 20 of the happy raccoon podcast. I got to say it is a true honor to make it to 20 episodes. Um, dating all the way back to episode one, where I said, um, 450 times to, episode two with John groves episode three with Mervin. Um, it's been a blast. Thanks for, thanks for sticking with us through 20 episodes. For those of you who listened every single week, I do appreciate it a lot. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening.